Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Recenter podcast. My name is Zach. Uh, we are going to be diving into an episode I'm really excited about. We're going to be launching a new series right now. Uh, for those of you that go to Center Church, we just launched a sermon series called Shalom. And today I get to meet with Michelle Knight, who is a deacon at our church. Um, and maybe you've met Michelle before. Uh, she's an amazing, uh, fun-loving, really kind and sweet woman. But guys, I'm going to brag on her for a second. She's also brilliant. She's Dr. Michelle Knight, for those that don't know. And she is a professor of Old Testament at um, the Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. She's currently writing a couple commentaries on Joshua and Judges. And she's also working on an Old Testament textbook. So she is brilliant. And today she's going to share a little bit of that brilliance as we talk about what is Shalom. We've heard it before, possibly if we've been around the church, but Michelle's going to unpack the significance of this word, this idea, so that as we move through our sermon series and as we have more episodes, we'll have a broader, more rich understanding of this idea of Shalom referred to in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language. So thanks for tuning in. You guys are going to love this episode. I had a great time recording it. It was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. So listen in and enjoy this episode. Man, I'm really excited today to be talking with Michelle Knight. Um, thank you for coming and joining us and talking about uh, the new series that we're starting called Shalom. And a lot of people, when they enter into a series like this, they read the word Shalom. And I'm guessing, like, when I think of what do I know of the word Shalom, it's a Jewish greeting. That's about as far as I really get sometimes, yeah. unless I sit down to do some research or try and understand the depth of words. And I have uh, fallen in love with word studies because of what richness and depth you can find in scripture by studying single words that are used throughout scripture. Totally. So today, uh, just ask you to come and share with us kind of from the scriptural narrative and then a little bit of context on this word shalom. What should we be thinking when we sit down in this series and we hear Mark or myself or Sawyer or any of the other teachers talk about shalom? What is the, uh, you're going to help us kind of understand what we should be thinking when we hear that. Totally. Um, so I don't know if you want to start with kind yeah. of where Shalom goes through the Old Testament or? Yeah, well, I'll start with kind of just trying to give us a, like an anchor uh, of what the idea means. Uh, I think that generally, if you looked up Shalom in like a dictionary or something, it would tell you that the definition was peace. But it's helpful for us to think about it as peace in way more than the ways that the English word connotes. So it means something like peace or well-being, um, wholeness, completeness. In many ways, shalom is the way things are supposed to be. Okay. Um, and so in this kind of – it generally means something like the state of just things being really, really good. One of the ways we we try to picture that is like if we think back to creation, um, the the Bible talks about how God made the world. He sat back, he looked at all the parts and the way they work together, uh, and he said, "This is all really, really good." What he's describing, this kind of ecosystem where everything works together, where things are according to his design, where people treat each other well, where the trees bear the kind of fruit they need to bear, where there isn't pollution and there isn't all of this corruption, that state that God calls good is peace or shalom. Okay. So is that like you're talking about when God calls good, is that in Genesis when he's first... Yeah. That word is... It's not shalom. But the it, word is tov, but... 
he, what he, the reason he's saying it's good yeah. uh, is because all of these things work together. And like, if you read rabbis, so Jewish teachers who lived like in Jesus's time and later, when they read back in Genesis and talk about that, they will say the, what one way we can describe all of those things working together well is shalom. Shalom. Okay. It's this this idea where everything's the way it should be. And so when we talk about shalom as people and we hope for shalom or we're looking for shalom or we pray for shalom, we are hoping for that same kind of good relational um, experience where everything works together well. That's what we're hoping for. Okay. My head's going to a thousand spots. So I'm going to try and yeah. chronologically ask my questions. <laughs> okay. But, so after the Garden of Eden, we sin and we break the shalom. The shalom has been broken because sin enters into the world and it's not how it should be? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once sin enters the world, there's a breakdown. And I mean, when we think about sin, we think about sin mostly internally in our own lives or the way that other people's sin affects us. So we think in terms of people sinning and the hurt that people experience. And that's good because we recognize that salvation is something that's deeply personal. Occasionally, what we miss out on is the fact that sin corrupts everything. Mm. Uh, humans being negligent in the way that they care for creation has an effect on the ozone layer. I mean, um, humans uh, uh, not treating animals well has an effect on you know endangered species, for example. So sin, the corruption of the cosmos that comes with sin isn't just about humans. Mm-hmm. It's about everything's relationship to everything else. And so when sin enters, all of these things become hard. All of the relationships are broken. All of the things and the way they were supposed to neatly fit together Mm -hmm. don't fit together so neatly anymore. So peace becomes the way we talk about the kind of restitution when we fix those various relationships between a human and another human, between a human and God, between um, all of these different places. That shalom, that wholeness that we're looking for is fixing all of the things sin has broken. Okay. As I sit down to read the Bible um, as an American let's say a person from our church and they open up the ESVs we give them in the pew. Is Shalom always translated peace? Almost always. Almost yeah. always. But there are some places it's not. So one of the things that's weird about Shalom is that um, it's not just like, I mean, peace is just a noun. Mm-hmm. I mean, something can be peaceful. And so then it's an adjective, but um, Hebrew with the word peace can be a verb. Mm. You can make peace. Um, shalom can be a um, an adjective, so something can be peaceful. But I'll explain in a second. It doesn't mean that. It means mm-hmm. more like whole. Okay. Um, so the word gets used in a lot of places. So when it's not that noun, usually the ESV or or something else will choose a different word. Okay. Because if I tell you a stone is peaceful in English, that makes no sense. Right. But what it's getting at is that it's a stone that isn't cut. Yeah. Because stones aren't supposed to be cut in their kind of created intent. They're not supposed to be cut. Gotcha. So a whole stone is a shal- you know it, it's it's sh- a shalom stone, <laughs> a shalom stone. <laughs> uh, and so similarly um in if you read the law um the law is actually where we see um the verb for peace used the most so by the law i'm talking about mostly the pentateuch and i'm talking especially about exodus and deuteronomy some of leviticus and in a lot of those rules we are hearing god talk about how humans need to fix things that are broken the law doesn't tell us everything we need to know about humans um but it tells us some of the the key things that an ancient israelite would have um would have experienced okay. that they need to fix and whenever you see the word make restitution or reconcile or some of those words, those are generally the verb for shalom. Okay. And so the idea is that um, 
if I have hurt someone financially to make peace between us, I need to pay them back. Okay. Um, but what's cool about the law and about those passages is it tends to go way beyond kind of our common conceptions of what it means to make things right. Um, we kind of, we think a lot about, well, it wasn't on purpose or it wasn't my fault or whatever. But I mean, there's this one law, for example, where if you're lighting a fire in your backyard um, and it accidentally catches on some, you know, some bramble in your yard, because we all have bramble in our yard. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to think of like the modern day no, word for that. I don't know. Bramble. But okay, cool. Oh, wait, well, no, no. It's uh, what's those trees that are growing up everywhere? I don't know. That but that's what I was trying to think yeah, of. There's... I can only think of the Hebrew word, but that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> um, but anyway, when it, those kind of that brush um, catches fire, if it ends up burning down the neighbor's field, Mm. even though that was an accident and it really wasn't your fault, fire just catches sometimes. You actually are responsible for his field because the idea is that we take responsibility for making sure the people around us have that wholeness, Mm. have that. And so the, the reconciling that happens between those two parties is that verb related to shalom. You fix that brokenness. Um, But it's just tends to be a lot bigger and a lot more generous and a lot more, we own a little bit more. Well, I I feel like the nuance of what you're saying too is like, we think of, I think of shalom and I think, okay, this is a God thing. God gives shalom. But it sounds like you're saying that we as God's people have a hand in maintaining or restoring shalom. Absolutely. So yeah, this ultimate peace and wholeness is, I mean, at its fullness, it's something that is graciously given by God. Um, and the prophets are always going to point us to that. I mean, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, yeah. and that is the word shalom. shalom. Um, and so he he is ultimately bringing peace in a way we never can, mm-hmm. um, because not only can he bring peace uh, in our sin, and he can fix that. He can fix the relationship between us and God. He also can, you know, change us so that we can more generously deal with each other. Mm. But we do get glimpses along the way that even in our brokenness, we can restore some of that peace. We get glimpses of peace. And I mean, a lot of things that Jesus ultimately does, we recognize that we get to taste. I mean, we often talk about how on Sunday mornings, when we are coming before God, you know, we get a glimpse of what it's like to live before him, Mm -hmm. even though it's nothing like what we'll ultimately experience. In the same way, the, the, the deep satisfaction and joy we get from a true reconciliation between two humans, it gives us a foretaste. It gives us a, an idea of what it will be like when all of the things that weigh on us, all of the brokenness, yeah. all of the sin, all of the things that we carry around and hate, mm. those being gone. So if, if I'm thinking where Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, as we say, on earth as it is in heaven, would that be like another expression of saying how we want things to be here on earth, like yeah, in Shalom? Totally. Yeah, okay. I think I'm comfortable with that. Um, I mean, they, <laughs> it's a stretch. But. Uh, no, it's not a stretch. Conceptually, all those things are are related because okay. peace is is this completeness, this wholeness, this the goal toward which we are all working. Right. Uh, in fact, again, when we look at the law, one of the things we would say is that the goal of the law is to make peace. Yeah. The law is there to fix what's broken and to move us toward peace. Yeah. It can't do it all the way. We need Jesus for that. Um, but so much of the Old Testament is pushing us to desire that. Mm. And, and so that's why we can talk about, I mean, the word gets used in a lot of really mundane ways too. Um, so like you can make 
peace between two people and it means like a peace treaty, mm -hmm. like we would in, in the contemporary world even. Or um, when two brothers are fighting and, and they sort it out, it says they made peace. So obviously they, they didn't achieve the Jesus kind of peace, right. but they did achieve something of that Jesus kind of peace, that little bit, that taste. I think I've tasted something like this at home with my kids. There's just the time where Lauren and I are like sitting down and things are quiet and maybe we have worship music in the background and my four kids are playing creatively together and they're getting along and you can hear, it's just like, there's this feeling of like everything is right for a moment in the world, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I know it's not, but it's almost like, I feel like I'm not saying that is Shalom, but it is like a taste of something where it's like, this is the way you can kind of see this is how God wanted it to be. Yeah. People loving each other, getting along, being creative, having fun. Yeah. enjoying gifts, being thankful for each other. like Totally. Um, so yeah, so this is an Old Testament thing. Where, do, where does peace, it comes out of uh, the beginning in creation, and we break it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, are there any other anchor points throughout the Old Testament that we would help us understand, like stories or parts of the narrative that maybe... Well, uh, again, yeah, the law becomes really helpful conceptually for helping us think about how peace can be maintained between individuals. Right. Um, and it even has to do with like, um, if you have weights that you're using to value something. So like, um, if you can picture like, even in, in, in contemporary world cultures, there are some where you use weights to determine how, um, how much, you know, fruit yeah. should cost a certain amount of money, that sort of thing. A fair weight is a shalom weight. Got it. And so again, it's this, this eagerness for things to be right and good, um, in the early Old Testament, a lot of the peace talk we get is military. Okay. Just because so many of those stories are about um, chaos on the ground. Right. Um, and so then the peace that people are yearning for um, is military. But even when they experience that military peace, the books talk about people treating each other better. They're worshiping God correctly. So it really is always pointing toward more. But, I mean, um, David and Solomon is probably a nice place to camp out. Um, in terms of, of peace, because first of all, I should tell you all, if you don't know, Solomon's name actually means peace. Ah. Um, in Hebrew, Solomon is Shlomo. So you can hear Shalom in there. Um, the idea was that David was this king who had all of these wars. He had all of the stuff he was working through. Um, and he was kind of establishing this place where the people could be together. But his son was designed to be a time when, like, the Israelites got to sit back and mm. just, like, revel in where God had brought them. Mm -hmm. He had brought them to the promised land. It was time to build the temple. He had said, you know, under this guy's reign, you're going to prosper and you're going to have peace. And so, like, in First Kings, we get that word shalom used. And okay, so let me read. This is 1 Kings 4.25. During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel from Dan to Beersheba, just so you know, Dan is in the way northern part of Israel. Beersheba is way in the south. So it's saying all of the kingdom um, lived in safety. Um, that's what the NIV says. Safety actually means peace or shalom. Um, everyone under their own vine and under their own fig tree which is kind of a, a concept that we see a lot in the Old Testament, but it helps us understand that peace is not just about military conflict. Right. For someone to live under their own vine and their own fig tree also pictures a people who 
um, they're not necessarily like rich, but they're prosperous in that when they plant something, it produces enough food to feed them. Yeah. Uh, own vine. Vine is wine to drink. Fig tree, figs are food. So they have everything they need yeah. to eat and drink. Hmm. Um, there aren't wars going on. Everybody's just doing their thing. Yeah. Um, and shalom is the description for what that looks like. Because yeah. Solomon had like achieved political political security. It allowed him to protect his citizens. They were free from war. They were able to thrive economically. Um, and this image for being under your own vine and fig tree actually shows up all through the prophets. I mean, it shows up in Hamilton too, right. yeah, just yeah. to be clear. <laughs> Um, but it shows up in a lot of places. But it shows up all through the prophets as this vision of what God's working toward. Um, and so even some of those images that don't have the word shalom in them end up kind of carrying that yeah. weight of the peace that God's working for. But this is exactly what God had promised would characterize Solomon's reign. So like when he was talking to David earlier, he had said, you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest. I will give him rest from all of his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon, again, meaning peace. Mean peace yeah. And I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He's the one who will build a house for my name. He will be his son, etc., or my son, etc. That's awesome. So that kind of gives us a picture of um, this is what God had always had for his people. Right. And that's why it's such a tragedy when Solomon kind of, when the kingdom falls apart, right. when Solomon starts transgressing God's word, it's yeah. like this moment where we had it. We had, we, we felt we, it for we a little. Felt yeah. it. Um, it wasn't everything and no. it wasn't the ultimate rest. I mean, like he experienced rest, but Hebrews would tell us in the New Testament that we never really got the rest right. that Jesus can bring. But um, we felt it for a minute. So you can kind of get a picture of how it's it's amazing to me, especially in the Old Testament, how much of it is about like tangible, yeah. concrete things. Yeah. Because the sin that that breaks human relationships, the sin that keeps us far from God, it has ramifications in the world. Yeah. The world isn't just like this external thing that we kind of just have to deal with until we get out of it. The world is like that's where God designed us to live. Yeah. Um, and so when when we can achieve this shalom, when God in his grace lets it taste shalom, yeah. things in our life, it doesn't mean there's no suffering. It doesn't mean those things. But when there's true shalom, then those things aren't there. Right. Um, and it's exciting when we get to feel that. So I'm hearing, yeah, it, well, it's way bigger because I was just thinking, I just think peace, like, like you said, in wars or mm -hmm. like when my wife and I aren't fighting, there's peace. Mm -hmm. um, um, so... But then I also was just thinking, how else do we use the word peace in the English language? And I think like if we walk, we were hiking and we came up on a lake and it was beautiful, we'd be like, this is very peaceful. Yes. So in that way, we're kind of saying like the beauty of creation and just all that is very yeah. peaceful. Yeah. Um, and but, I think that works conceptually. Yeah. With shalom. And So that's where I'm just fascinated by like the languages, how like we translate, you know, a Hebrew word that had so much rich meaning and it becomes more narrow, I think, in this yeah. case. And so that's what we're trying to do is just talk to you and expand what we think of when we hear the word shalom. I'm always saying that right. It is shalom. Yeah, shalom. Okay. Um, yeah, when it's when it's a verb or an adjective, we pronounce it differently, but nobody needs that. Right okay. Now. Okay. No, okay. It's okay. Fine. <laughs> uh, there will not be a test after this podcast. Few. <laughs> I know you were getting nervous. I haven't taken a test in a long time. Well, so. I give them frequently. So. 
so we've got it there in a beautiful picture with Solomon where the temple is built, so that's peace. God's presence is with them yes. in a very tangible way. And mm-hmm. then there's there's peace between each other and prospering, Yeah. right? And then is Israel at this point, I'm thinking, because the way we're talking about this when we talk about shalom is that we're thinking peace between God and myself. Jesus makes that right. way for peace. Peace internally, like um, with the things that I've got that are broken. Yeah. Peace interrelationally. Yes. And then peace to the world, the broken world. How do we bring shalom and healing totally. to a broken world? Well, and words related to the concept of shalom um, in the New Testament are things like reconcile. Yep. So in the Old Testament, all those words are the same. In Greek, some of them are the same, some of them are not. They kind of, we have to borrow other words. The same way in English that I have to use more than one word to translate shalom. Right. Sometimes in Greek, when we get into the New Testament, we have to use yes. more than one word. So sometimes tracing the concept is a little broader than just tracing the word. Gotcha. But like, for example... In Ephesians and some of other places in Paul's letters, he talks about once we have peace between us and God, that reconciliation Mm -hmm. between us allows us then to reconcile between each other. So the ultimate space where peace is actually enacted is always at God's hand. Even as it happens in the world, even in these mundane things, that is part of God's grace on us. Anytime we are able to conjure up the humility to seek out peace with, you know, when I am really mean to my husband and like, we have to sort that out. Whatever in me was able to say, I was wrong. I am so sorry. That is something God gave. Yeah. So we really can trace any of those vestiges of peace. They really are still about God's work in the world. Um, because left to our own devices, it's pretty hard for us to conjure up any of that oh, yeah. kind of goodwill. No, I know. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, and so, yeah, it is something in the New Testament, we do see this emphasis where once there's reconciliation between us and God, then he works in us, his spirit works on us. And not only does that give us the ability to reconcile with other people and to fix some of these other things, but um, it also gives us the conviction and the passion to do it. Right. Uh, God starts to work in us to actually make us care yeah. Uh, about restoring relationships and fixing broken systems and making sure that those in need aren't suffering. Yeah. And so all of the sudden, as our heart changes and we start valuing what God values, right. then our whole kind of view of the world shifts. And like him, we start to be able to see how things should be. Right. And then we, all of a sudden, in all of these little mundane things, we start to learn, oh, that's not how this should be. I can fix that. Yeah. And every time we do that, we are enacting peace. Okay. So God is, when we think about God caring for the the oppressed and the orphan and the widow, we often re- refer to that as like God being like just, right? Yeah. Um, and so that is, an, that is another facet of this piece is God's totally. justice of wanting to fix where it's broken and care for those who are hurting and provide for those who have needs is a part of ushering in shalom or bringing totally. it back. Totally. In the Old Testament, actually, it says specifically that the outcome of true justice is peace. Oh, that's awesome. So justice, the job of justice is to bring peace. Yeah. Shalom. Okay. So, or I'm not even going to say peace. I'm going to say shalom. <laughs> yes, so we get that good. whole concept in good, there. Good. Um, but yeah, when, when it says that God is a God of justice, when it says the king is justly reigning, mm. when it says um, a judge is actually doing what a judge is supposed to do, they are bringing about shalom. Okay. Uh, and so, in fact, when we talk about judging in the Old Testament, its goal is shalom. It's shalom. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and then as it moves from the Old Testament to the New Testament, as we talked about, there's many there's many kind of strands or words yeah. that are used for the same concept. So 
Some of them that comes to my mind is like the word arene is yeah. peace. That's yes. just the most translated peace in the New Testament. And that's the most directly related to okay. shalom. So um, where is Jesus called the Prince of Peace? Is that an Old Testament reference? That's to? Isaiah. Okay. But um, it's picked up in the New Testament, obviously. And so they use arene in the New Testament. What was I shalom in the Old Testament? Passage. I don't know. I mean, Greek isn't really my thing. You know what no, I'm saying? No, I know. I know it's Like, not. I, know I know I should know. I know. I know. I was stretching I could you. look it up right now. <laughs> Don't let any of my students hear this. Um, there I might be know. a few. <laughs> uh, but yes, because that is the standard word to translate gotcha. shalom. Isaiah is where we get Prince of Peace. Um, and actually, the cool thing about Isaiah um, is that it's talking to a people in the middle of this like war-torn environment. Mm-hmm. Isaiah is warning them that like their lives as they know it are about to fall apart. Um, and so for him to call God... Um, a, a peaceful God for them to point toward this person that's a prince of peace yeah. is for him to be preparing them that as you're about to live totally inundated with brokenness, your hope needs to rest in someone who's going to fix that brokenness. Yeah. So that's helpful to us yeah. who sometimes do not know how to function in the midst of overwhelming brokenness. Correct. Yeah. And division and brokenness and yes. all this fighting. It's good to know that we serve the Prince of Peace, right? Yeah. Well, and that's why, sorry, now I'm just getting excited. No, it's okay. Like when Mary- We like that. We have, well, when Mary talks about Jesus's birth in the, in what we tend to call the Magnificat, her, her in, um, in Luke, she starts talking about how God's going to humble the proud. He's going to elevate um, the humble. He's going to protect those who have been vulnerable. And sometimes we're like, I wonder why she focused on those things. But Mary's picturing a world where peace reigns. Right. She's recognizing that he is everything God's been preparing for. And so she sees God kind of reorganizing creation to be how it should be. Right. Um, and so, so much of that usurping of societal expectations, the way society usually works, the, the powerful um, tend to be greedy and whatever, she can picture a world where when this guy reigns, when the Prince of Peace is the one on the throne, that's not how it works anymore. So when his reign is fully realized, when God has had his way with creation and he has worked in us to its fullness, that's a place where where all of these things come to be true. And it's pretty exciting. That is really cool. And then we think of, um, I. so when I'm thinking about the ways that I've talked to people about the word peace in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. Shalom in Old Testament, what we're calling this is like... um, we talk about Jesus telling his disciples to go into a town mm-hmm. and to look for people of peace. When you go to a household, yeah. say, peace be with you. Yes. And that is, is that like, um, that's a traditional Jewish greeting to each other? Yes. Shalom is generally the way, um, it, it, it's kind of like, um, it, it's a true sentiment. Peace be with you. Yes. Um, it becomes almost hello and goodbye. So yeah. it's kind of like how we say things like, hey, how are you doing? And yeah. we don't necessarily expect a response. But when people are saying it very intentionally, mean it. it is a wish for peace in their lives. Yeah. Uh, and so whether that means restoration or even just as we've talked about, there is a feeling of peace where even in brokenness, we, when we look on God, when our relationship with him is right, we start to experience that peace. The, the greeting ends up being kind of fundamental, yeah. um, especially because for the Jewish people, the Torah is kind of the center of um, how they look to respond to God and, and understand themselves in, in light of God. And all the rabbis say the goal of the Torah is peace. And so it's just um, peace really, shalom, becomes kind of central to Jewish conception yeah. of what they want for each other. And it's what we want for each other. It's just we use different words. We use blessing and we use yeah. some of those other words. Um, but we yeah. probably actually mean something. Right. Like when we talk about God's blessing, we probably actually mean the blessing that results in peace. Right. We want people to 
you know, find healing when they're in pain. Yes. Uh, we want them to have comfort. We want them to have wholeness in their family. Like we want those things for them. Correct. And so we do say different words for that. But that idea is shalom. I'm also fascinated by like we've laid out kind of an Old Testament view of this word shalom, Solomon being named shalom. God's plan from the beginning was for us to experience shalom. Yeah. And then Jesus is coming to restore and make a way for shalom. Yeah. But like, I think sometimes I disconnect myself from the Old Testament story as a, you know, Western Christian. Totally. Um, and, and I think it's kind of cool to see when we sit down and talk how this is a continuation through Jesus that we are participating in this idea of, of uh, experiencing the shalom that's a, his grace to us, but also then we get to like be a part of repairing or bringing shalom. Um, and yeah. I think we miss that. Like what, what we see the disciples doing, what we see Jesus doing, his kingdom work that's not of this world is doing a lot of those things. It's the verb tense or seems to be like the acting out of bringing shalom, him healing yeah. the sick, yes. um, caring for the press, but him inviting us into that. Like, I think my goal or my, my desire for this series that we're going through and you opening it up this way is that people will expand what they think of shalom. And then that they enter into this continuation of the narrative of shalom personally uh, in their families, but also that I want us to start seeing uh, we think I think we see the world around us. Sometimes we get intimidated or afraid or we're fearful of how broken it actually is and totally. as if there's no answers and we don't know yeah. what to do. Um, and like you said, in the minutia of just noticing where something is broken or not the way it should be. And if we have it with God's grace and, and him in us, if we have the ability to bring shalom in that one small area, yeah. that we're actually like increasing the amount of shalom in the world by being that presence that brings that healing, that restoration, that peace in the name of Jesus and by his power and grace. Totally. And even as like we have to recognize that like it's not like no matter no matter how hard we work, we could never bring this in. Right. There's always going to be this moment where God steps in and it's like finally we yes. get that peace, but still we can experience it and we can cultivate it in the meantime. I mean, the, the the plan for fixing this broken cosmos was always about Abraham's descendants being a vehicle of blessing. It was yeah. always through him and through these descendants. And, and by being in Jesus, we get adopted into that family. Right, yeah. And so we share in that mission. Right. And so from the beginning, humans were a part of doing God's work in the world. And God's work was always this kind of kingly justice that right. brought about peace. And so when we sign on with Jesus, we are signing on to that vocation that Jesus's ancestors were were given. Um, and we get to kind of be a part of that. And I think what's really interesting to me is how um, so much, I think, of what we kind of see in the secular world um, that really appeals to us is actually glimpses of peace. Yes. So like even things like um, doing a kindness and then passing it on, we all love those stories. And you don't need to be a Christian to be a, for that to appeal to you. But we love when one kindness gives the next person kind of the motivation to show a kindness. Right. And what we are watching is someone get a taste of peace and right. want more of it. Yeah. Once we taste it, we can't help but want to pass it on. Right. Because we were literally designed for that. Yes. And so while we can taste it in glimpses, it's not until Jesus works on us that we can start to taste it more fully. And ultimately, it'll be uh, God's work in the world and what he does, you know, through all of creation that fully brings that. But it's just fascinating to me that so much of what, when we look around, even even just our intuition, our very bones desire shalom. Right. 
And so we see it in all these places and tastes. Right. Um, and sometimes we can get distracted and think we can find it there without Jesus, and then and then we can't understand why yeah. this fulfilling activity suddenly isn't fulfilling anymore. Right. And it's yeah. because it only could give us so much. Right. It could only taste shalom so much without, without the redemptive Jesus. work yeah. of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's just funny to me so much of what I watch. And I mean, even things like meditation, the reason it is a good practice right, yeah. is because it's a moment. Right. To remember who God is, it's a moment to remember who we are and to see what God desires in all of its fullness. I don't know. It's just exciting. Yeah. It's what we were made for. Yeah. And it's it, so we're hoping that this just expands your idea of what shalom means, even if you walked in with no idea of what shalom means. Yeah. So <laughs> here you go. But like, I love that it's not just big things. Like, I like, I'm getting more and more into gardening. And like, mm-hmm. the more I go and make my yard, like, from this, you know, just desolate, muddy area and like start <laughs> reclaiming it and making it beautiful and putting fruitful things in it and work yeah. in the ground. Like that too, to me feels like I'm experiencing Shalom as I'm working in the ground yeah. and it's producing and I'm not doing anything other than planting, you know, planting things. And then God is producing through yeah. uh, those plants and vegetables and all sorts of, anyways, all to say, like, I feel like we need to take the idea of Shalom and understand and blow out our categories of what peace is yeah. to bigger and more, and then start finding them in every mundane little detail um, looking for where shalom could be brought or where yeah. Jesus could bring shalom or where we say in our family, joining Jesus in his work. And if I yes. think his work is bringing shalom, he's already doing it. Yeah. So where can I join him and jump in on what he's already doing and partner with him and just get to experience the blessing of like seeing people taste shalom through yeah. through me, through Jesus in me, Yeah. you know? And so anyways, gets me excited to think through. Um, okay, that was a lot uh, of stuff. So if we could kind of think of um, let's say a working definition for people to leave with Shalom, um, like just kind of the different facets. So Shalom means something like wholeness, completeness, yeah. um, maybe perfection. That's not my favorite word, but peace. It's the way things should be. Um, and so that is peace between humans. Mm-hmm. So like a military conflict and interpersonal conflict, it's peace between God, meaning that we are not re- I mean, sin is ultimately a rebellion. So we are fighting with God when we sin, and we stop that fighting. We stop that hostility. Um, So it's no hostility between humans, no hostility between God. And even with the rest of the cosmos, with the rest of creation, we are treating it the way it should be treated. Creation is relational. God designed it to work together. And peace is when all of those pieces work together well. And Jesus showed us how we should do that on this earth, right? Totally. And, totally. Okay. So as, <clears throat> so as we try and follow Jesus, we can take example from how he lived with yeah. God, interrelationally, yeah. and to those around him. Totally. Is a way to walk in shalom. But I think something that we can do as Westerners that we need to know is that this is not about us going out and striving and earn, like you said, apart from Jesus, apart from the presence of his spirit, yeah. we can't bring shalom. We, we can't do it. We can bring like a fake counterfeit version that's going to feel hollow. 1,000%. But to bring true shalom in ourselves, we need God to be a part of that. Yes. True shalom to others in, interrelationally, we need to invite God into that and totally. make sure we know that he is the one restoring and yeah. repairing. Oh, that's so good. Um, thank you, Michelle. Is there yeah. anything else that you had that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? No, we got the goods in. Awesome. We got the goods in. Well, thank you very much for your time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions, they can just walk up to you on Sunday and ask you, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'll just wear a <laughs> sign that says, ask me about Shalom. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Could okay. you pray for us at the end of this podcast? Sure. Thanks. God of all creation, um, the God of peace, um, we come to you as people who are broken 
Um, we come to you as people who are overwhelmed by a broken world. We come to you as people who sometimes can't even imagine what an unbroken life can look like. Um, and so we ask you as the Prince of Peace um, to change that. We pray that you would give us a vision um, for what you have for all of your creation, that you give us a vision uh, for what life can look like when we are in shalom with you, when we are in shalom with each other, when we are practicing shalom faithfully. God, I pray that you would give us glimpses of that, the kind of glimpses that not only shape us, but orient us toward your ways. Uh, God, I pray that as we go into this series, as we start to think through these things, you would transform us into people who cannot get enough um, of shalom, uh, as people who are striving day in and day out to follow you more faithfully and to restore this creation. Um, God, we know that only you can do that. We will never be able to do that. But we also know that you are actively working and you have invited us into that mission. And so, God, I pray that you would make our hearts ready and you would show us what that looks like in each of our individual lives as we, um, you know, we endeavor to serve you faithfully. So I pray peace over this congregation. I pray peace over anybody listening to this podcast. Um, and I pray that you would do your restorative work um, in each of us. Um, and I pray that in the name of Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen.